Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whereas thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. And with God's help today, I just want to preach this thought, determined. Let's take a moment and pray. God, we want to thank you, Lord, for already showing up, God, for what you're doing in this place, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you be able to anoint these lips right now, God. Lord, let them be used to to convey your message today, God. Lord, that lives might be transformed today, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Determined. That word means dedicated, decided, settled, resolved, resolute, staunch. When I think of determined people, it's the people that have a goal that they want to achieve. Typically, when you use the word determined, the goal is one that's going to take a little bit of work, right? It's not, I'm determined to do this very simple, easy task. But you're expecting a little bit of a struggle, It's something that you value, something that you believe is going to be worth the fight. It's hard to believe that we're already in February. We're only a month into the new year. And statistics say that 80% of people have already given up on their New Year's resolution. Fun fact, when I was looking up stats on New Year's resolutions, I learned that the second Friday in in January is known as Quitter's Day. By Quitter's Day, just two weeks into the new year, over 50% of people have already given up and thrown in the towel on the goal that they committed to just a month before. Staying the course is hard. Commitment is hard. But it still boggles my mind that people took time out of their day. People were vulnerable with themselves. They took a a deep look at themselves and said, there's something about myself that I need to change. And I'm going to make a commitment to change that. In just 30 days into the year, that's not worth it. That, 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 that's not achievable. That's not okay. It's all right. It's great in theory, but when life gets hard, we just tend to give up and quit. But it's that 20% that are still going strong. That's, that, that's some determined people. Going back to the story of Ruth, Ruth and Naomi weren't people that had an easy life. But they were people that against all odds kept going. They were determined. Ruth 1 and 1 says, And in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their sons, Malon and Kilion, They were Euphrates from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they had reached Moab, they settled there. Famine had entered the land. I'm sure famine was not part of Naomi and Elimelech's plans. Famine and struggles, that wasn't something that they they jotted in at the beginning of the year and said, hey, we need to prepare for this. But it just happened. But they found a way to adapt and to survive in the midst of the struggle. You see, sometimes God uses situations, he uses difficulties, he uses tragedies to move us into the place that he needs us to be, to be able to receive what he has for us. In order to do that, we've got to let God change our surroundings. But if the famine wasn't bad enough, it seemed like like Naomi just had more misfortune in her future. If you continue on reading in verse 3, it says, Then her husband died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. And the two sons married Moabite women. 
One married a woman named Ophrah, and the other married a woman named Ruth. But then about 10 years later, both her sons died. I can't imagine leaving a country, going through a famine, saying, it's okay, God's got this. To my husband, my, my, my provider passing away, it, 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 it's okay, God's got this. 10 years later, she loses what little family she has left. This left Naomi alone with her two, without her two sons or her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. During this time, she hears that back home, God's blessing the people again. There's bread in the land again. There's no more famine in her home country. So she says, you know what? It's time for me to leave this place and go back to where I came from. Crops came back to that homeland, so she journeyed back to her home. God had called her away for a season, but when it was time, he called her back home. We need to make sure that we're in tune with the Spirit of God. If we aren't careful, we'll listen to the voice of God, and he'll guide us into an area, and it's an area that's full of struggles, and it's full of trials and things like that. And when God says it's time to leave that and take you back somewhere else, We're so consumed with our situation. We're so consumed with our surroundings that we no longer hear the voice of God. We need to be like Naomi and be attentive to his voice and move when he says to move. Verse 7, Wherefore she went out forth of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law, they were with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as he has dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, that each of you in the house of her husband, that she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and they wept. Naomi was trying to give these daughters of hers a way out. She was giving him her blessing. She's saying, listen, this wasn't what you signed up for. I know that this is not the life you envisioned for yourself. This is what, where you want to be. And I understand that. So may God bless you. Just go back to where you're, to your homes. Go back to where you came from. Verse 10 says, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go, go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should... If I should have a husband also tonight and should be able to bear sons, would, would you tarry for them to be fully grown? She's saying, listen, I, I, I don't have any more sons to give you. There's no one else for you to marry. And if by some miracle I get married again and I have another child, are you going to wait until that child's fully grown? No, go on with your lives. Would you stay from, from them for them for being having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me too much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Naomi was telling him, I don't have anything else for you. There's nothing else that I can do to help you. You're better off without me. You see, Naomi didn't value herself. She didn't see what God saw in her. I feel like there's some Naomi's in the house today. You've been through some stuff, and you feel like God's against you, and you've got nothing left, and everything's against you. There's nothing to offer, so you might as well just go on your own way and let everyone else be. But Naomi, God wasn't done with you yet. This was just the beginning of your story. This wasn't the end. Naomi was focused on the girls being a burden. She began to justify why she wasn't equipped to take them with her. I have nothing to give you. 
if I take on this burden, it's going to cost me a lot. It's going to make my life more difficult. It was already going to be tough for her going home to be a widow. But if she had these two daughters with her, that, that's more mouths to feed. That's more baggage. And she's saying, it, I, I can't have my life be more difficult than it already is. I just want to go off and I want to be by myself. I feel like that's how some of us are sometimes. We're in a crossroads and God's saying, I want, I want you to take this burden with you. And you're saying, God, I can't afford to take that with me. I, 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 it's going to cost me too much. I, I don't have enough for myself. I'm not in this season where I can take care of anything. I can't even take care of myself, I feel like. But I wish someone would just give up those excuses and pick up that burden anyways. To get a determination that says, I might not have the answers, but I'm going to trust in God and I'm going to keep on going. Verse 14 says, And they lifted up their voice and they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Ruth fastened herself to Naomi. You're not going to get rid of me that easily, Naomi. You can, you can tell me it's not going to be easy, but that's okay. I'm not going to leave your side. Verse 15 says, and, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Naomi was asking her, Ruth, what are you doing? Your sister already went back to her old life. Why, why don't you just go and join her? Go back to the life that you knew before you met me. You, you, I'm sure you had some happiness somewhere along the way. Just, just go back to that place. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And wherest thou lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where, you, where you're going to go, that's where I'm going to go. Your God, that's going to be my God. It's such a powerful statement. And here's the thing. Ruth didn't get to know Naomi's God because she saw God do the miraculous. We don't, we don't read in the story that God showed up and did a miracle, and that's how Ruth knew who God was. It was an amazing revival that, that she went to that God revealed himself to her in a life-changing way. It wasn't because Naomi was on fire for God and she preached at her every single day. Ruth, this is why you have to do what you need to do. No, Ruth got to know Naomi's God because of the relationship she had with Naomi. She saw Naomi go through tough season after tough season, but she kept going. She saw Naomi in a time of uncertainty, and in that time of uncertainty, she said, let me lick my eyes back to God. Let me turn my focus back to my provider. In the midst of tragedy, Naomi didn't give up and say, oh, woe is me. But she says, you know what? I just got to keep on going. And Ruth says, that's the kind of, that's the kind of person I want to be. So if, if that's the God you serve, then I want to follow after your God. Your greatest witness isn't going to be the words that you say. Your greatest witness is the life that you choose to live. The greatest impact you're going to have in life isn't by inviting somebody to a church service. The greatest impact you're going to have in this world is when you sit across from somebody at your kitchen room table and you give them a Bible study. A relationship that's formed because of a relationship you have with them. It's the life that you live. It's, it's the way that you live it that makes someone else say, there's something different about you. I want to know more about your God. It's the relationships that we create. That's how conversations can begin. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to be used by God. You have to love people enough to let God, let your light shine through. Even in the dark times of life, and that's where we struggle the most sometimes, is, man, it's easy for me to be a witness on Monday when I got out of a, 
an amazing service on Sunday and I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I'm ready to take on the world. It's easy to let my life shine through. But then Monday morning when my boss pulls me into his office and yells at me for something I did wrong and I feel like I'm about this small, how's my light going to shine through then? It's in those moments that we think, oh, that doesn't matter. That's just my weakness. No, it's those moments that the world is looking around seeing, how will you respond? What will you do? That's your witness. That's your testimony is when you let your light shine through even in the dark times. Naomi wasn't a woman of great faith. She looked at her life and she saw it the way that it was. She didn't have this great expectation that said, when I go back home, then everything's going to be okay. And you know what, Ruth and and Ophir, you should come with me because the moment we step back into Judah, God's going to make a way and all of our problems will be gone and it's going to be blessings and, and favor forever. That's not what she saw. She didn't have great expectations. She knew that it was going to be hard. But she said, you know what, I have enough faith to keep on going. Because if I go on, my God's going to meet me and somehow he's going to make a way. By going home, it was just a small act of faith. But that small act of faith was enough for God to respond. I wish I could stand behind this pulpit today and say that the moment you decide to turn your focus on God, that every problem will go away, that your journey will instantly become easy, you'll have the healing you need, every answer you've ever wanted to have will be provided. And sometimes God moves in a miraculous way like that. But what I'm asking you today is, do you have just enough faith to keep going? In the face of adversity... No matter how hopeless your situation may seem, can you just decide today that I'm going to make up my mind, that I'm going to, I'm going to live a life of determination, I'm going to keep on moving forward, and it might just be a little bit of faith that I have, but that's enough to keep on going. Back to verse 17, it says, Where thou diest, I will die, and where, thou, and where will I be buried? The Lord do, do so to me, and more also, if I ought but death part with me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Naomi realized that this is a determined woman. This is someone who's committed. There's no use trying to talk her out of it. I'm not even going to try. That's when you know someone has a determined mind, when you're like, I'm not even going to waste my breath anymore. You can ask my wife. Usually that's how arguments with us go, is, is I get so excited, I'm so determined to win, and then she just goes, you're right, and then stops. It's something about, oh, but I have so much more planned. I need to do so much more. And Naomi's like, I could sit here and I could talk to her on blue in the face, but nothing's going to change Ruth's mind. She's determined, so I'm just going to let her have her way. It doesn't matter if I don't think it's the right thing for her to do. I'm just going to let her do it anyways. Verse 19. So they went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they came to Bethlehem that all the study was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Almighty have dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? There's so much power in a name. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, his name meant, my God is king. Naomi, her name, when she left, when she said she was full, that name meant pleasant. Ruth's name meant completely fulfilling and providing a desired thing to the point of excess. And Naomi comes back and she says, don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. 
Naomi thought, I'm not that pleasant person anymore. I'm not that person that was once full. I'm empty. I'm broken. I've got nothing left. God has forsaken me. God is treating me poorly, and I'm bitter now. God didn't forsake Naomi. He was using Naomi. He was putting her in a place to make an impact on someone else's life. If we're not careful, we'll get stuck in a pity party. We'll get focused on the situation that we're currently stuck in instead of trying to focus on the doors that God is trying to open and show us who he's trying to reach with our situation. I had a conversation with someone the other day where we were talking about praying for healing. And I said, God's gonna, God, we want you to be healed. We want you to be healed. But it wasn't happening. And he, they have to go through a situation that they weren't happy about. I said, what happens is maybe that situation you're going through is because God wants you to witness to somebody, that there's somebody that needs to hear your testimony. And so you've got to go through a little bit of pain. You've got to go through a little bit of struggle. But in the end, you're going to be a light that's going to change someone's life. And immediately that changed the, the viewpoint. Now it's not, oh, woe is me. I'm hurting. I'm struggling. But it's like, you know what? I can put up with this pain just a little bit longer. I, I don't enjoy it. But you know what? If I, can, if I can use this pain to reach somebody, then it's going to be worth it. Here's the thing with Naomi. She says, call me Mara because I want you to identify with my struggle because that's all you're going to see is when you look at me, you're not going to see pleasant. You're not going to see happy. You're just going to see bitter, and, and that's all there is. If you read the book of Ruth, there's not one time where anyone calls her Mara. The enemy wanted her to focus on her struggles. He wanted to change her identity, but only God can change your identity. And when he does, it's something glorious. We're going to experience that in a little bit when when Ray goes down and that baptism takes. God's going to change your identity, and he's going to take away every sin that you've ever committed, and he's going to give you hope and life and peace. So many great things, because that's what God does, is he has great things for us. Naomi saw someone who was struggling, someone bitter, someone who was forgotten, but God saw a survivor. God saw someone that was still standing, someone that was still going forward. Naomi and Ruth get back to Bethlehem just in time for the harvest. Ruth chapter 2 verse 2 says, And Ruth and the Moabites said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean the, the ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And the NLT version says it a little bit easier to understand. It says, One day Ruth and the Moabites said to Naomi, Let me go into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who was kind enough to let me do it. She said, Naomi, let me get to work. There might not be much left. There might not be a whole lot left. There might just be scraps left. But you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to grab those scraps because it's going to be enough for us. I'm going to put in the work anyways. That cut me to my core. Because sometimes before we take on a task... If you're like me, you think, is this really worth my time? Because I measure how much I'm going to have to invest versus the blessing that I'm going to receive on the other side. And is this really worth all of it? Is my effort going to be wasted or is it going to be rewarded? And sometimes we choose to do nothing because we think, you know what? It's just scraps. That's not enough. It's not worth my time. Anyways, I'll wait for something bigger and I'll wait for something better. But God rewards dedication. He rewards those that put in the work. Verse 3 says, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz from Bethlehem, and he said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant 
that was set over the reapers answered and said, This is the Moabite uh, damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And he said, I pray thee, let me, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and she continued, even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little bit in the house. This was a great testimony that the people were giving about Ruth. They were saying, Boaz, she's a worker. She came in here and, and she was working hard. She's not taking it easy. She's not expecting anything to be given to her, but she's working hard for it. She's rested just a few minutes and her harvest might not be great, but she's determined and she's putting in the work. I'll switch back to the NLT version for a few verses. And verse 8 says, And Boaz went over to Ruth and he said, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young woman working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and follow after them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water that they have drawn from the well. This was a big deal. She was only supposed to stay in the corner. She was supposed to stay on the outskirts. She was only supposed to have just a small area that she could go to. And he says, you know what? You're such a hard worker. I'm going to open it up so you can follow after him. You can go past what the limitations are. You can, you can get more if you need to. And Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. Boaz says, you know why I'm showing you favor? It's because you're dedicated. You didn't take the easy way out, but you came here and you put in the work. You're taking care of your mother-in-law when you could have just been focused on yourselves. If you want to get the master's attention, shift your focus off yourself and shift it on those that you can be a blessing to. Shift it on to those that, that, that need help. And when you help them, the master says, I got your attention. Verse 12 says, May the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I'm not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her and said, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with the harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all that she wanted, and she still had some left over. And when Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and put out some of the heads of barley from the bundles and dropped them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. Boaz told all those around him, make the job a little bit easier for Ruth. Ruth found favor because of her dedication, and help came her way. Boaz could have easily removed her from the situation. He could have taken away the task from her. He could have just given her the grain that she needed. Sometimes God will deliver you from the situation. And other times, God's going to send you help along the way. Yes, the task is still going to be long. It's still going to be tough. But God believes in you. God will give you his favor. He says, I'm going to send you help along the way. I see the work that you're putting in, and it's not in vain. I'm going to send blessings your way. I feel like I'm talking to somebody today that's been just picking up scraps in the field, and you're saying, I don't make a difference. What I do doesn't matter. God doesn't even see what I'm doing. God sees exactly what you're doing, and you're exactly where he called you to be. Help is on the way. Just keep on working. Keep on being dedicated. Verse 17, so Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she came to beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. For those gleaning the fields, it should have been just enough food for one day. 
but a basket's full was enough food for a week or two for her and Naomi. She carried it back into town and she showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. That, that, that just stuck out to me. She could have just given her what she worked so hard for, but the roasted grain, the thing that she enjoyed the most, she could have saved that for a rainy day and had it for herself. But she says, no, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to give this to Naomi. I'm, I'm not just going to give you the scraps, Naomi, but I'm going to give you the good things as well. Sometimes I think when, when God calls us to be used, we think, okay, what's the bare minimum I can do? What happens when we say, the good stuff, God, everything that I've got, I'm going to give you all of that, and I'm going to be a blessing to it. That's what Ruth was all about. Verse 19, and where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing us kindness for, for your dead husband. The man is one of our closest relatives and one of your family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and to stay with the harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with the young women that are right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. Ruth was saying, some days might, there might not be easy days, Ruth. Some days might be tough, but as long as you stay where you're supposed to be, it's going to be a little little bit easier. See, you could go and you could do a work in another field where you don't have God's favor, but you might go through a little bit more struggle. You might go through a little bit more heartache. But if you stay where God is leading you, it's going to be a lot easier. If you keep your focus on, on God, it's going to be okay. Verse 23, so Ruth worked alongside the woman in Boaz's field, and they gathered grain with him until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with him through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Each and every day, Ruth went out to the harvest. She got to work. You know how to tell if you're determined? You're consistent. It's on the easy days, on the tough days, you keep going. Do you always give 100% or do you allow your situation to dictate your level of dedication? Brother Josh, I came into this house determined today that my life was going to be changed. I came in here today determined to be different. I came in here today determined that I was going to be free. I was going to be healed. I was going to have the answers. But that worship set really didn't do it for me. I mean, that message, it, it, was, it was not for me. It was for somebody else. It wasn't my favorite. So I'll sit back until next week, and maybe they'll get the set list right. Or maybe my favorite minister will be speaking, and, then, and that's when I'll respond. We need to get determined, where it doesn't matter if it's the, the way that I want it to be. Is God still God? Is he still worthy? Has he still done so many things for me? Brother Josh, I want to read my Bible more. I want to, I want to pray more, but I've only got a few free minutes today. It's, it's not worth it. It's not going to be enough. Start small. If all you've got is a few minutes to give to God each day, then give it to him and see what he'll do with it. Stop saying, well, it's not important. Just do the work. No work is too small for the kingdom of God. I believe God is calling his church to a place of determination, a a place that says in the good days, in the bad days, when, when the worship is jumping and when I woke up grumpy for some reason and I don't even know why, God, I am still gonna worship you. I'm still gonna walk in your way. See, a a determined person exhibits several personality traits. One, they have to be consistent. I'm going to step on some toes. I apologize. This isn't in my notes. 
But if you want to know why your house and your, your family is struggling and it seems like, why, why, why is everything in chaos? When was the last time you opened up your Bible? When was the last time that, that you came to church? When was the last time that you changed the radio station off of the, the music you know you probably shouldn't be listening to and listen to something uplifting and, and praising, right? Because when we get consistent in those things, then that's when we're getting towards the goal is I want a closer walk with God. And if I want a closer walk with God, I've got to learn to eliminate some distractions along the way. Each and every day, Ruth got up and she went into that field. She showed gratitude. Was it a glorious task? No, but she was thankful that she got to do it. You don't know what true ministry is. True ministry is when you go up to pastor and you say, I feel a calling to preach. And he says, here's a toilet bowl brush. Go clean the toilet. You say, you know what? I got something to do. Praise God. I'm thankful for it. When we realize that, you know what? It's what I'm called to do. And if I got to go through these little things to get where I need to be, where God has called me to be, then I'm going to do it anyways. But when we sit back and we say, that's just the scraps. That's not worth it. I need you to fill in to be a Sunday school teacher. That's not my calling. I've no. Pick up the scraps. Help where you can. Do what you need to do. That's a determined lifestyle. A determined person is authentic. Ruth didn't try to change who she was. She didn't try to try to dress nicer and say, "Hey, Boaz, come look at me. Look how hard I'm working." She just did what she needed to do. Sometimes we try to change who we are to get where we think we need to go. Let God lead you. Let God direct you. Let you be yourself. No fear of failure. When Ruth followed Naomi, she had no idea what the road ahead of her had in store. But she had enough faith to follow after God anyway. You got to be resilient. Ruth went through loss. She went through a struggle. But she didn't let her struggle or her heartache define her. She just kept on going. If you're going to be determined, you got to be hardworking. You don't look for the easy route, but you look for the one that will help you achieve your goal. If you're going to be determined, you got to have discipline. You don't allow the things of the world to distract you, but you keep on going to that goal ahead. And finally, being determined requires for you to step outside of your comfort zone. Determined people have big dreams. Determined people don't allow themselves to find a life of complacency. They don't allow themselves to get comfortable and say, this is, I'm just going to rest here for a little bit longer. No, they say, what's the next thing I need to do? What's the next goal that I need to achieve? In order to do these things, we've got to push ourselves farther than we've ever pushed ourselves before. If the music wants to come and if we can all stand, I'm beginning to close. But you want to know how the story of Ruth ends? She ends up marrying Boaz. That land that was once Naomi's, it was restored to her family. Ruth gives birth to a son named Obed. And Obed was the grandfather of King David. It was through adversity and struggle that not only the lineage of King David, but the lineage of Jesus was born through that adversity and that struggle, through that determination that says, you know what, I'm going to go on. I'm going to make your God my God. I'm going to follow after you. I believe that God is calling some people today to a a life of determination. He's wanting you to step out of your, your season of complacency. And I say season because I don't believe God has called anyone to be in complacency for, for too long. He's called you to do something and he's called you to do it now. Yes, I know it scares you. And yes, you might have to sacrifice some things, but God has more for you. He's just waiting on you to put in, put in the work. 
I know there's some saints in the house today that, 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 that could make up their way up to the altar today that will have this made-up mind that says, you know what, I'm dedicating myself today. It might not be the easy road. I'm tired of just taking the easy way out. God, I, I want what you have for me. And if that means it's a struggle, but in the end it means I can, I can reach my family. If it means in the end I can have my healing. If it means in the end, God, all the glory that you have for me can be achieved, God, then I'm going to choose to go through that struggle. I'm not going to choose the easy way, God, but I'm going to choose your way. I wonder if there's some saints in the house today that are willing to pick up a burden that says, it doesn't matter what the cost is. I might not feel equipped for this challenge, but God, if you brought it to me, then I believe that you're going to be with me. God, it might just be something small, but you know what? I'm out. I'm going to spend time in the field anyways. God, it might just be the scraps, but God, there's scraps for you. God, it's something I can do for you. It might not be much, God, but I'm going to continue to work each and every day because I'm determined. I wonder if some saints today could believe that your struggles and your situations don't define you. In the midst of your struggle, a revival can be born. You don't have to have the answers. You just have to have the faith to trust God today. Can we come? Can we pray today, saints?